Well, everybody seems to be debating the H1N1 vaccine. Well, it's soon going to make your, its way to your local doctor's office. Now, the question is, once it's there, will you roll up your sleeve? Will you take it? Joining us now, two professionals on different sides of that debate. Croft Woodruff is a health consultant who won't be getting the shot. And Bill Bowie is an infectious disease physician at UBC and VGH who will be rolling up his sleeve. They're both here to debate the issue this morning. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Dr. Bowie, let me start with you. You're going to be taking the vaccine. Why? Okay, that's the easiest question I'm going to be asked all day. <laughs> uh, for personal reasons, public health reasons, and healthcare provider reasons, it's, it's all a very simple thing. Personally, uh, the vaccine is likely to uh, give me some relative immunity against H1N1. Mm-hmm. And should I, so it will decrease my likelihood of getting sick. And if I get sick, it will decrease my likelihood of getting seriously ill. So the plus sides greatly outweigh the potential negative sides. I have no personal concerns about taking the vaccine. Wearing my, wearing my healthcare provider hat, I have an obligation, I feel, to take the vaccine. I deal with very sick patients. And if I'm infected, then I pose a risk to, to the patients who, with whom I come into contact with. I also have an obligation as a healthcare provider because uh, I can't afford to get sick because it will deplete the ranks of folks who are trying to provide care. Wearing a public health hat, uh, use of vaccines to prevent disease uh, decreases a whole bunch of other costs, dollar costs, personal costs. Uh, I have a particular interest in antibiotic use and resistance. So almost anyone who gets severe influenza is going to receive antibiotics. So for an exa- that will promote antibiotic resistance. So the, for many reasons. So there's many reasons on the pro side. Croft, you're on the negative side here, and you haven't taken a vaccine shot for many years. Not for, about, let's see, I guess about uh, 55 years. No, you still got... Pretty Still got time, eh? <laughs> pretty white eyes and pretty pink cheeks. You look fairly healthy, but what well, about... Well, that's when you walk, rather run about two blocks to get here. <laughs> <laughs> what about the H1N1 vaccine, though, specifically? What stops you from wanting to take this? Well, it happens to contain mercury, which is uh, used as, a, as an adjuvant. It's supposed to potentize the vaccine, and it is a neurological poison. It's a brain poison, and uh, there's much uh, uh, controversy over the MMR vaccine, which in some countries had mercury in it in recent years, hasn't had mercury in it. But there are lawsuits that uh, blame the MMR and also the, uh, that's the measles vaccine particularly, and the, and the uh, diphtheria pertussis uh, tetanus vaccine for uh, causing uh, brain damage. This particular vaccine, the H1N1, not only has mercury in it, and by the way, they've been taking mercury out of vaccines and potentially out of the childhood vaccines. And it has squalene, which is uh, derived from shark oil. It too, like mercury, is expected to be a, a cytotoxin. And it, does, it, it is a brain irritant. And so you've got two problems right there. Okay, there's the science behind it, why Croft doesn't like it, Dr. Bill. So what's your response? Well, I think both of those are myths perpetuated by myths? are myths. There are the there's huge amount of experience with the mercury compound thimerosal. Uh, it's been studied immensely. There's no evidence 
that it causes the types of things that are being mentioned. And the, uh, the amount of mercury in the vaccine is minuscule. It's much less than one would get with a tuna sandwich. What about the, the – so, what's the other one, crop, the shark? So, so, oil? Well, you, so, don't, so, you don't inject tuna sandwiches into people's vein or flesh, but you it's, – it's, it, mercury that way is processed by the digestive tract. So uh, very little is absorbed that way. We're getting a lot just by direct injection. And the mercury compound is 49% mercury. That is not a fiction. And what were you going to say? I'm sorry. So you asked the, about the squalling. Yeah, the, the squalling that yes. comes from sharks. First so, time I've heard of that. So, so this is the technical term is an adjuvant. It's included to try and boost the, the body's immune response to an antigen, in this case the H1N1 vaccine. Uh, this is a naturally occurring compound. They're uh, using sophisticated assays. A large proportion of the population who have never seen uh, an adjuvanted vaccine actually have antibody to the to squalene. And when it's been studied, uh, this vaccine has been used ex- or vaccines have been used extensively with squalene. When it's been studied, it doesn't induce antibody, and for those who have antibody, it doesn't boost antibody. So, 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 so there's not evidence, in fact, to support the the stance. Okay, correct. You have a question. You could perhaps supply me with the studies that peer, that are peer reviewed and published in a refereed journal. Uh, that uh, demonstrate that this vaccine that we're now going to be injecting into everybody, presumably, who take it, that it is, first of all, safe, and secondly, effective. And I haven't found any studies yet to be published. We, they've only had access to this vaccine for about four months. Uh, the uh, authorities admit, and this is in their own literature, that uh, they really don't test the annual flu shot They've only got a few months to uh, get it uh, and into the market. And, of course, uh, we see, well, it's just like 2000. I can remember on another network, uh, a reporter was mentioning about 30 people in a senior's home of 32 received the annual flu shot. And those 30 came down with the flu. And then the... uh, the moderator on that particular station, not CBC, thank God, uh, said that uh, the vaccine is 70% effective. And how does, how does a 30%, rather, actually a 90% failure turn into a 70% efficacy? That's the kind of uh, propaganda we get about these vaccines. Okay, we, we're both going to have a chance to ramp up. Dr. Bowie, if you can respond and also give the reasons why... People who might be skeptical should take the shot, and then Croft will ask you for alternate advice, Dr. Bowie. All right. So you're asking for hard data, but but presenting an anecdote that may well not, you know, may not be well studied. I'm happy to provide you with with data. Are the is the vaccine extensively studied? No. This is a problem with every single, or not the problem is the issue with every single influenza vaccine. There's a short lead time. But we have no reason to believe that this will not be effective, and we have no reason to believe it will not be safe. And Croft, what's your alternate advice for folks who choose to reject taking the H1N1 Well, for one thing, uh, uh, I would take lots of vitamin C. It's been known uh, since the late uh, 1970s that vitamin C is a powerful immune booster. It is an antiviral agent in its own right. So is sunshine. We're hearing now from uh, physicians at the University of Toronto, 
vitamin D. We should take maybe about uh, 3,000 international units of vitamin D. Now that the sun is all getting low on the horizon, we don't make as much, and it is known to be antiviral. Thank you both, Dr. Bill Bowie, an infectious disease physician at UBC and VGH and Croft Woodruff, a health consultant who advocates for health through better nutrition. So are you planning to take the shot? Let us know. If so, why? If not, why not?